0: I am Dean Linky. This is breaking the line the
1: ECNL podcast as we continue to bring you exciting interviews that we did out at the ECNL Coaching Symposium and AGM. This week's focus is on former successful professionals now affecting the game and the ECNL in new ways and involved in coaching youth soccer. What they have learned and applied from their professional days, what works, what doesn't work, perspectives on youth soccer and professional development. And it is a who's who of pros. Warren Barton, an established English international and a great pro over in England and featured regularly on Fox. He is fantastic. Lee Morris actually played with Warren Barton over in the Premier League. He's outstanding. Now getting it done at South Carolina United. And Brian Quinn, who was a member of the U.S. national team, in fact, made his first appearance against Ireland where he's from. He is also on the show Warren Barton, Lee Morris, and Brian Quinn. Former successful pros now affecting the game and the ECNL in such a positive way. That's our show and it starts after this message from the ECNL.
0: As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to Breaking
1: the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are collecting evergreen material as part of the ECNL Coaching Symposium and AGM. I'm Dean Linke, delighted to be with two former superstar players who are now getting it done as superstar coaches and leaders and even a media darling as well. Lee, and sorry when I say media darling, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking (laughs) about Warren Barton, who is here. Love your work on Fox Soccer. Warren Barton, of course, known for spending time at Wilburton, Newcastle and Darby County. And now with Fox Soccer, he is the technical director for the Del Mar Carmel Valley Sharks in California. Warren, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and Lee Morris, who played at Sheffield United, Darby County, Leicester City. And now you are the boys ECNL director and director of coaching for South Carolina United. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delighted uh, to be here also. Well, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about former successful pros now affecting the game, specifically the ECNL in new ways and coaching youth soccer, but already I learned that you two actually played together professionally, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: I'll at least start, but cause, and I'll finish it off, but <laughs> yeah, we, we played together the early 2,000 times at Derby County.
3: Yeah, it was... Uh Seems a lifetime ago now, um, especially with Warren's grey hair. um, (laughs) Looks a little bit different to the olden days. (laughs) You said
1: it, I didn't. I'm I'm happy
2: with grey, it's totally white. I'm happy with that.
1: Yeah, he is a handsome guy though, Lee, you got to admit it. So let's do this, let's have a little fun setting the table. Lee, you describe Warren as a player, and then Warren, if you could describe Lee as a player before we get into what's going to be a fun topic.
3: So yeah, Warren came having a legendary career at Newcastle. When he came to Derby, we were struggling at the bottom of the league. And he came in and like from day one, he was uh, a true leader, dead aggressive in practice, everything he did. He was just smashing everybody, you know, trying to lead the way and show us what it meant to be a a top player. I remember him, I was just laughing about (laughs) it then. That Three days on the spin, he'd like, I'd miss it across and stuff. And he was all over me yelling and screaming. And I felt a little bit embarrassed. So like on the third day, I thought, right, next time he does it, I'm a shout back. So he made a a bad mistake, shanked across. So I said the same thing to him, which was unrepeatable on this. (laughs) And uh, he just turned around, walked straight at me and was ready to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, That is awesome. You'll never forget that. All right, Warren, now same thing. Can you tell me a little about Lee as a player? Yeah,
2: I mean, going to to Derby, obviously it was a difficult time for everybody uh, at the club fighting relegation. Uh, But they had a group of good young players, uh, Danny Higginbottom, Chris Riggett, Uh, And Lee as well was one of them young players and um, they've been in a situation where the senior players at the club maybe didn't give them the influence that they needed and myself and another player called Rob Lee who was with me at Newcastle come in and Lee had loads of ability, Uh, he was electric quick, he had very good games and he was just reminding me of the two good games he had in his career against (laughs) Arsenal (laughs) that he had and he was just a joy to be around and the point of me as a senior player being at derby was to try and lead in the right way because they needed influence they had the ability uh, but what they needed to realize is how to be a professional on and off the field and the standards that you set yourself as a player playing day in day out and i was lucky enough to do it for 18 years so when i first went to the club uh, with john gregory he said that we've got a group of young players that we feel got potential to go all the way in the top of the premier league but we need some guidance we need some help now whether that's dealing with uh, an iron rod or a little bit of encouragement and, and we tried a little bit of both uh, but there's no doubt about his ability he had a good goal against Newcastle that I assist It was on a plate so <laughs> yeah. it, w- it wasn't difficult for him to finish um, I'm glad you
3: brought that up no no I no I
2: was going to bring it up again in a couple of more minutes as well but he was again a good player a great attitude and, and he was always willing to learn even though the times where and, and Brian Quinn will tell you who's joining the, the, the call now is that you know you try and motivate players and see what their reaction is. And, and as a player, senior player, I was trying to get that out of him. And he showed that and he went on and obviously had a great career. But he's always interested in the game. He's very passionate about the game. And I was delighted to see him when we come over in one of these seminars that he was actually coaching. He was enjoying it. And it's always nice to see people like that that are involved in the game because you know, we want to give something back. We had a, you know, a good career doing it in the Premier League and, and in the UK. And now it's our time to give it back. So it's always good to see Lee. And he, he does look the same. <laughs> But he has got gray hair, which he never had. He had, like, highlighted hair where he used to dye it. He used to be in a boy band. There was him, Higginbottom, and Riggett. And, obviously, Higginbottom was the drummer because he's the ugly <laughs> one. Because he was at the back because he's the other one, Danny Higginbottom. But we uh, we used to have uh, some good times. But, unfortunately, you know, then times go. And now it's in the coaching, which I think we, we really enjoy doing.
1: Great job. And you can tell you're a TV guy because that perfect segue to let everybody know that one of my all-time favorites during my time with the U.S. soccer. Brian Quinn also joins us. Quinny, great to see you. Thanks for being with us.
4: Thanks, Dean. Uh, I'm enjoying this, guys, so keep it going.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I do want to know before we dive into the fact that you are all three successful pros who are now affecting the ECNL, I'm always interested in the draw to the United States. What made you guys come over, all three of you? Sunshine. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair
3: enough. (laughs) For real? Uh, no, on a, on a serious note. Um, that
2: was serious. Yeah, 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 it, was it was part of it. Serious. For me, in California, it was <laughs> definitely part of it. Uh,
3: well, my, one of my good friends who I was an apprentice with at Sheffield United is now um, our chief executive in South Carolina. And Rob Strickland? Rob Strickland, okay. yeah. So I came over to, to meet him and kind of, I was, I was interested in American soccer, so I wanted to come and learn. And he was obviously, he's been here 20 years and involved heavily in it all. So when I came over and he showed me the scale of a youth soccer club uh, in what's considered one of the smaller, you know, lowly states of soccer in in America and overall, and the amount of soccer fields that were there, the level of soccer that was involved and the way that the sport's growing over here, I just thought that I would love to be part of really building something and being part of of the growth of soccer over here because I feel that when America puts its mind to something, it, it takes it all away. So uh, to be at this stage and being part of the growth of it is, is really exciting to me, and I'm proud to be part of it.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I like that association with Rob. I think he's one of the nicest guys in the sport as well. That's outstanding. Warren, what drew you over here? Well,
2: throughout my career, I've been coming to the States on vacation, whether it's New York, Chicago, Seattle. Uh, and then in the late 90s, we come over with the great Sir Bobby Robson with Newcastle, went to D.C. and went to Columbus to open their stadium. And just feeling the passion, uh, and as Lee rightly said, the way the game was growing. um, And again, being over here and realising that you're up against the NFL, you're up against basketball, but also college as well is a huge thing. So back home in the UK, it's either football, cricket or rugby, and predominantly uh, football being uh, soccer, the the dominant sport over there. But to come over and understand the landscape of what you're up against, but realising the The potential and the underlying current of uh, people that want to get involved in the game the passion for the game the knowledge of the game and when I first come over I was working at the uh, the uh, the Galaxy LA Galaxy and the Academy had just started with Bruce Arena and it was still, you know, doing a fitness test and kids was walking up with a McDonald's and Vans in their hands, <laughs> which was alienating to me. You know, I've sure. been a professional for so long. So to try and have an influence of give them like I did at Derby as a senior player. We've given it as coaches at Galaxy just to try and say the mindset of being a professional and what the game can give to you. And I'm always a believer that what you give to the game, it will give you full toes back, you know, because it's such a, a great sport. And the harder you work, the more you're going to get out of the game. But just being in there, loving the, you know, the idea, the positivity, even if you walk into a coffee shop and they say, have a nice day, and they don't mean it. I'd rather have that <laughs> than in London, they throw you a cup of coffee <laughs> in the saucer. <laughs> so I, I'd, rather, I'd rather that, and I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, but I actually got into, uh, and this is a story, and Quiney to this, in the area that we live in. I've got three, at the time, young boys, 10, 8, and 4. So we was moving home, and we come over in Southern California, San Diego, which is a bubble in a bubble, by the way. That's that's not the real world where we live in. And I, I dropped my kids off, uh, uh, well, my wife dropped the kids off at a summer camp in a, a local, uh, one of the clubs down there. So my wife picks them up, and my wife, being lovely how she was, listens to the guy, and he said, yeah, I played in the Premier League. I played, <laughs> uh, played for England, and, you know, by the way, can you cut me a check for $6,000? So she's come back and said, oh my wife oh there might be a fella that you know might make you a friend i said i don't really need any friends <laughs> but <laughs> go, go and pick the kids up next day so i oh, come w- i come walking over <laughs> go and pick the kids up and this fella comes walking <laughs> over to me and i i, you, I mentioned it to you could you you know him I won't mention his name on here, but i do it off. So he's, he's come over and he said, oh, yeah, we really like your boys. We'd love to have them in the programme. Have you got the cheque? So I said, uh, were you t- speaking to my wife? He went, yeah, 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 it was me. I said, oh, you played for England? He went, yeah. I said, you play in the Premier League? He went, yeah. I said, who, who'd you play for? He went, Bristol City. I went, I've never been in the Premier League. I said, oh, you played in for England? He went, yeah, yeah. I said, who oh, you play for England? I played for Graham Taylor and Terry Venables and was in the squad with Glenn Oddle. So I've got, got a rough idea of what's going on. <laughs> He went. Oh no! I played in college in the south of England <laughs> <laughs> uh, league. And I went. So you never played in the Premier League. You so qu- me being, I went. I don't. I'm not having it. Just because you've got an accent, that you're coaching yeah. the kids, you think you know the game. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't go to that club. I got involved with Shannon McMillan, um, and the rest is history at uh, Del Mar Sharks. But. That was my inkling into <laughs> club soccer, if you like, and uh, his face went, uh, there's a couple of other words he said, but I can't say <laughs> it on it. But I said, so you've never played in England, and you've never played in the Premier League, and you're trying to get money off of my kids. So that's the game we live in. Uh, but that was 2008, and thankfully things have changed, particularly, I think, in the last f- five years in the game, the stadium, the MLS, uh, the national team, uh, the women's team has always been strong, so... Uh, that's my understanding of U.S. soccer when I first come to it. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least.
1: That's brilliant. We all know all you got to do is have the accent and you can get any job in this country as well. So <laughs> well done, Warren, for calling him out as well. <laughs> and, and well done uh, spotlighting Shannon McMillan, one of the legends yeah, of the game as well. Yeah, she's fantastic. A Hall of Famer. Brian Quinn for me this is like going home. I was telling these guys before you got here that we kind of lived next to each other for almost two years traveled the world together. I called your son's games at Akron. I think I've not called some of his pro games as well at at some point I do believe but Brian remind me obviously you're from Ireland. When did you come over to the States. Dean, a little
4: bit of case of serendipity because I'd been at Everton and didn't break into the first team. So I, I probably would have ended up going down a lower division, maybe Bolton, which is just up the road from Liverpool. And it was fantastic at Everton. I would never have left if I'd have made the first team, but I didn't make the first team. And then the old manager that I had at Lauren was Brian Halliday, and he'd been out in America. He called me in March and he says, hey, would you fancy coming out? So I got on a plane and 1st of May. I was in... Um, uh, Los Angeles, my first club was the Aztecs, okay. and I loved it from the beginning, and then uh, I was fortunate, broke into the team, and then, unfortunately, at the end of that year, they folded, and I ended up going in the dispersal draft and ended up in Montreal.
1: Okay, and so how old were you at that time?
4: Just coming up to 21.
1: 21, so yeah, young yeah, enough young. To, to make yeah. it. And then yeah. when did you get your U.S. citizenship? So what
4: happened was that one, one of my kids was born in uh, Belfast, and then my son was born in Canada. And then I, I had a couple of other kids, and so coming towards the end of my career, I think it was like I mean, thirty. Did you go? <laughs> no, no, no. no <laughs> so was coming to the end of my career. I was, I think it was about thirty, and I was thinking, if I ever went back, my kid who was born in Canada and my daughter who was born in Belfast, they they couldn't stay in the United States. So I started the process okay. of um, uh, get my citizenship. I'd had a green card for five years became a citizen, and then out of the blue, John Kowalski, who'd been heavily involved in the indoor game, had kind of recommended all these players to Bora, you know, Fernando Clavijo, myself, other guys who'd played indoor, but hadn't played outdoor for a long time, and as you know, Dean, at that time, Bora was just scanning all over the country looking for players, and ironically, the first camp I went to was in Boston, and my first cap was against Ireland. No. Uh, in 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 Foxborough, so it was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was great. And I'll tell you a great story. One, um, Andy Townsend yep. played for Ireland, and, and Andy Townsend's a cockney, you know, pretty much. And so, I'm on the field and I'm shouting the lads, "Hey, when all the pick up there, Bobo, pick up, go here, go here." And he says, he says you're not Irish you know he says you're not American I says you're not Irish <laughs> <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it was great fun it
2: was great still fun. keeps his accent now isn't he yeah. still yeah. keeps yeah. his accent yeah. all this time yeah. later
1: and obviously Quinny you were so close to making that World Cup team and I don't mean to bring up tough memories but I mean you were right there I'm out of here don't tell me how it of you yeah. <laughs> please he yeah. was so close yeah. I mean
4: it was the last cut it, it, it was um yeah, it, it was obviously emotional. I, I think that, as you know, Dean, we, we lived 30 guys and lived in uh, Mission Viejo, all vying for the same opportunity to play in the World Cup team. And so the, the way I looked at it, obviously missing out was, it was you know, I'm not going to say it's devastating because there's a lot other stuff that goes on that's devastating. It was disappointing. Um, and I think that the way I approached it was, you know, there was probably 30 guys for 23 spots. And the way I looked at it was, I didn't want to deny a Mike Sorber or a Mike Burns or a Claudio Reyna who got picked ahead of me because I didn't make it. So I felt that it was Boris' decision at the end, and, and so I live with it. I went, watched the first game in the Silver Dome came back, went to the games in L.A., and then went to the quarterfinal up in um, Stanford yeah. when we lost to uh, Brazil.
1: Brazil. This week's Breaking the Line ECNL podcast is featuring professionals, big-time professionals, who are making a difference as coaches and leaders in the ECNL, Lee, Warren, and Brian. going to take a break to hear from some of the ECNL sponsors. We'll be back with more fun with Warren Barton, Lee Morris, and Brian Quinn.
0: Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade. The studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL.
1: The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL Girls, ECNL Boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. We set the table a couple weeks ago with Christian Labors and Doug Brackett with the State of the Union, and they were really excited about this show. Former professionals, big-time professionals, big-time celebrities, you guys truly are getting involved in the ECNL. So let's just go rapid-fire, all three of you. We'll start with you, Lee, then go Warren, and then Brian. What have you learned and applied from your professional days to your role here now, specifically as it relates to the ECNL? The
3: biggest thing for us uh, coming over here is the principles of what you're trying to teach in soccer and the life skills that you're trying to teach in soccer apply to whatever level you're coaching, so not specifically the ECNL, but you know we've got third, fourth level players. You're still going out onto the field and giving your all, you're doing it because it's the most fun thing in the world and it's a joy to be a part of, it's energy, it's enthusiasm, it's brilliant to be around and you need to always kind of retain the joy. So. Regardless of the level that we played at obviously the higher level the team the higher level coaching and the skills that you're trying to apply in sessions But the overriding thing is this is the most fun thing in the world you can be doing and I think you have got to retain the joy throughout it all That's awesome. Warren. Yeah, and that's the first
2: thing I always say enjoy the game You know I, whatever happens and whether it's a, a showcase for the kids or whether it's a, a Top of the table clash or a local derby that mean, you know me and Brian will go against is enjoy the game you know respect the game uh, give everything you got for the game as I said could you give that it will give you something back Uh, respect who you're playing against um, and obviously go out there and compete and and what I've tried to do whether I was playing lower league or whether I was playing in in the highest level is is give everything and and understand the game you're in Um, you know we all want to play a certain style of football and you know Peppers brought a new dimension to every coach and I made us really think about what we do as players and what we do as coaches and Uh, What Lee just touched on there is also be a good person. You know, I think that's first and foremost. And I say that to the parents. You know, we have a, a talk with the... I don't do drama. You know, let... We're qualified. Let let us enjoy the game. Let us coach your kids, and whether it's you know a little 2016, 2017s we've got going now, the little ones coming through, or the 04s, 03s that are going off and trying to get into colleges, is to you know let us do our job, you know, and hopefully we can give a service that's because at the end of the day it is a service. You're trying to give the best you possibly can, but it is about enjoyment. It's about a good environment, and try and develop your coaches as well. So after 35 years of of being involved. I just want to try and give something back, you know, and whether it's the way you get out of the car, is as soon as you get, put your foot on the step, you're ready to go training and not when you get on there, it's to get warmed up and I had a conversation with kids the other day, you know, they're warming up, oh, I'm ready, coach, I'm ready, you put them on, they're not, they're not warmed up, they're not ready to go, it's, you know, my standards of how I was is, is high and you've got to try and relay that and now that may not be their objective is to get to that level, but to try and give them that understand is that if you want to get to there you've got to do it now whether it's mum and dad going to work in the morning or whether it's you know you trying to be a top athlete you know you have to do the right things at the right time it's talk is cheap but you try and do that be on time put a good session on make it enjoyable, uh, and communicate with the kids because they don't know it. They don't, you know, they, they need to be helped.
1: What an honor to be with Lee Morris, Warren Barton, and Brian Quinn. I, I just want to sing the mighty Quinn. I love that song. Every time I, I see you, I want to break out of that. Try to top those two answers, Brian, on why you want to make a difference here as a coach and a leader in the youth game. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah.
4: now, no, I, I'll echo what uh, Warren said earlier. The game gives you so much more depending on what you put into it. I think we all... Have um, been beneficial to that. The fact that you put in your time and you get rewarded. And I think with, with Lee and Warren and myself is what we try to do. Dean is give our two cents in respect to uh, passing on the game. You know, and and, and Warren played at an incredibly high level. But if you, if you're in Liverpool and you're living in Liverpool for a couple of years, or if you're living in London and there's a Derby, or if like Warren, if you're in Glasgow and you're playing for Celtic, it's it, it's just. Immerses you, and I think all of us want to bring that and give it to people. And I think one of the, the one of the, the most um, effective ways to kind of keep sharing the game is to get the kids over to see those games live. When you get that, and it's get better now in MLS. But I had a group over. I think it was two thousand and six, um, and we went. To, you know, we went to the community uh, shield, and then we went to. Um, I think it was Wigan, and and, and just being there at the game kind of resonates with the kids and lasts them for a lifetime
2: i also touch on as well you know in my house if if the lights go out i get an electrician and he should be qualified so if you're coaching these kids easy now you've got to be qualified now whether you're just starting off and doing a b license a license or i've got the pro license you've got to have that qualification because it's part of it and not everybody wants to do like and it's like when you're taking your driving test you don't have to stand there with two hands on the wheel and go through and do your test but I think it benefited, it definitely benefited me when I was playing. I was still doing my licenses. I went and did the courses. I wanted to do that. I was around people like Stuart Pearce, you know, um, Mick McCarthy, and people like that that were uh, coached at a higher level, and being around them people and being around Quinnie, and we talk to each other. We see each other quite a lot. Or Lee, where we not only do we reminisce and talk about the game and how great it was in the Premier League and what, but it's like how can we improve the game how can we make it better now is it our behavior on the sideline is it talking to another coach is it giving the referees a chance but because we're competitors sometimes that gets overlooked and sometimes we don't really talk to each other about the game it's more just about what's just happened or the occasion so I think we have an obligation if we played is to say about can we make our coaches better in the club can we make our parents behave better can we help the referees out You know all them type of things, because we're foreigners we've come to America and we're not saying we know it all, but we want to give something back because this country's given me I'm a US citizen, all my kids are now so give me something back, so I want to give something back in, in return, people don't like it sometimes because the truth hurts but you know it's only for the good of the game
1: certainly honored to have lee morris warren barton and brian quinn here they wanted me to ask this question it sounds easy but it's really not that easy and that is in your roles here now in this country what works and what doesn't work in your own opinion i know it sounds easy but it's kind of a tough question what works what doesn't work i think some of the the drive of the players
3: is different to the drive that we had when we were young and so trying to relate our experiences that are probably unrelatable at times because by the by the age of 11 I knew that I was on track to want to be a professional down the line. Some of our guys are just doing it for fun to be around their friends to enjoy it and their target might be to go and play at a lower level college. Some might not want to play at college at all, they're doing it to get through the high school years and enjoy it with their friends and then go and have a good college experience because the grades are so good. So. Our roles and trying, it's been hard for me to understand that at times, and it's hard for them to relate to me with regards to our different trajectories. And I'd say that's been always been the biggest conflict for me trying to understand where they're coming from and they understand where I'm coming from
2: like he said it it does matter you know it does matter how you train it does matter how you prepare to go forward i think the biggest thing they find with me is my accent (laughs) (laughs) they find that they find that a challenge sometimes about some of the terminology that you use and you're trying to help them but you know i I think you know you're sensible enough as a coach just to try and give them the right advice simplify it sometimes i think we get caught up when sometimes trying to make the game complicated it ain't that let lexi lallis make it complicated because it ain't, <laughs> it ain't, that, it ain't that complicated believe me you know if you pass a move and, and play with a smile on your face you, you've got a chance so um yeah i think you know they're, they're the things that we've you know your your expectations your standards sometimes is not what theirs is and that's fine yeah. that's fine you have to you have to accommodate that
1: 20 what works what doesn't work I don't think there's
4: any shortcuts. Uh, and and I, I know I've, I've seen uh, Warren's kids play Milo a few years ago, and then I was at the high school game the other night with his, his middle son Ty, and he's, he's a really, really good player. Um technical, got a good engine, play as well, but th- th- there's no easy way to become a pro, you have to go through a little bit of adversity, and you have to dig in, and you have to fight, and I remember, you know, and you talked about Aiden when he was at Akron, I sat down with my son when he was 16, and I, I, I said to him, I said, what do you want to do, he says, oh, I want to go to college, I says, how are you going to play in college, there's 10, there's 10 better players in San Diego than you there's there's the way you play you get the ball you pass it you stand around you look I said you've no chance of playing in college and so he ended up I think he took that advice to heart and then the next two years he put in Everything he had, ended up starting off at Bradley for a year, and then he transferred to Akron. Had a great three years at Akron.
2: I'll tell you a quick story, touching on what Lee said there. <laughs> and it made me laugh. I did the same thing with Brian. I took my youngest son back to England, and they we played West Ham, Watford, went up to Aston Villa, up to Newcastle, and then uh, up to Glasgow Rangers. So we went into the academy playing against them. But in between, I stopped off at Newcastle. Then there's a, Ashington. Is a small vi- uh, mining town in Ashington. It's one of my friend's stadiums. He owns it. So I took my little. U14 team teams there so we've turned up in the car park nice turf stadium little like non-league ground all going in so our kids are all there the Americans they're all there They're hair the suntans they're <laughs> taking pictures going. the kids from the mining town have come walking in they're like six foot they, I know, we're in the changing room we're here and they're right next door <laughs> and the, um, their coach is going they're gonna get it they're gonna <laughs> smash it into <laughs> it and i could see our kids legs are shaking <laughs> underneath i said the thing is they've had four fights before they've gone to school uh, yeah, from their yeah. house to get there. they've had four fights usually i've been dropped off in a bmw i said, <laughs> yeah, it. I said get out there so and true. play that and it was the best thing for him because they was coming out and <laughs> the kids legs are shaking and they was petrified but we ended up having a good game. It was quite a, quite a good game in the end, but it was, uh, it was definitely a learning curve for him. <laughs> but the coach was, let them have it. Let them come in from here, California. I, they're going to get think, this. I
4: think, what's important um, for all of us is when you're in England or if you're in a soccer culture, whether Spain or Italy or, or, or South America, it's every day that the, the people live for the game. You know, It's on the TV, it's on the radio, it's in the newspaper. You, know, you, you review the game, you're looking forward to the next one. So it never ends. And I think that part of it, when kids from the U.S. go and visit soccer cultures, they come back and it elevates their game
1: brilliant stuff here with Lee Warren and Quinny Brian uh, tell us your title in the youth game I broke down the two titles of these esteemed gentlemen but uh, tell us your role. how long we got he's got about,
4: <laughs> uh, about four titles I, I think, uh, yeah. I
1: think- Dean, what I do
4: is that I'm with San Diego Soccer Club and we just uh, affiliate it with surf and, uh, and you know it's, it's been a good relationship up to now and my role with within the club is like a director of coaching where advice, oversee the coaches and then help out on the curriculum side as best I can where what, what I think and I've said this since I started coaching 30 years ago is uh, my mantra is one kid, one ball. I mean the, the more often you can have a ball at your feet, the better it is And and you know people may say oh that's a little bit outdated but I think that playing and having your your foot on the ball and competing um, gets you the results you
1: need. You talked about college soccer, obviously from your perspective as elite level pros and guys that played for the national team as well and the youth national team. Your resumes are impeccable, they're outstanding. How about the perspective on the pipeline for youth soccer to pro? and obviously I love college as well, but specifically youth soccer to pro because you guys are pros. There's um, an exciting thing come out about
3: the online classes that the professional teams are now offering where you can go straight from high school, be a professional soccer player at 18 and do online classes as part of your pathway. I think that's a huge, huge step forward over here that hasn't been considered before. The, The cultural difference of here, that the pathway is high school, college, then go into a draft to go pro it's unthinkable to us for anybody to be only beginning the pro pathway at 23 back home so that bridge now of the online classes i think is a huge step forwards for american soccer players if they're willing to take it that that could be like a a massive milestone um, for the youth players over here i think that's a big deal in our market now charlotte mls have come in and We've now got USL1 clubs in Greenville and Tormenta, just local tours, which is also bringing the pathway for me. As saw it when I first came, you were either MLS, USL Championship, or the best men's league program in your town with nothing in between. Over where we're from, there's like 20 more steps of semi-professional and professional levels in between. So the the levels are now popping up all of the time, and I think that's growing the game massively in, in my area, and that's what's making it so exciting.
2: Yeah, I think you know, ten years ago it was the predominantly you know kids wanted to be college. It was all about college. When I was at Galaxy, it was like you know the playing academy football to get into school. Now I think the mindset has changed, realizing that you can maybe, like Brian said, go abroad. Uh, you've seen a lot of kids going into the Bundesliga uh, and getting professional contracts. But I'm I'm a believer as well that you know I was chairman of the PFA. The career is short. There's not so many people that play for 13, 15, 18 years. Some people get injured and they're done within a year or so. So the education side is important. And like Lee just mentioned, with that coming in, that if you can actually be a pro but still do your education, that's something that I would do with my kids. You know, that's definitely something going forward. That's something
3: I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was growing up, and I wish I had, you know.
2: Yeah, I got thrown out of high school when I
3: was...
2: (laughs) So he said, go and get your soccer ball and get lost. (laughs) 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 Finally, that worked out all right.
4: (laughs) Queenie, you're right in the middle of it. Your thoughts? There's many, many advantages in this country, Dean, in respect to how the game's set up for for young players going to college because uh, the numbers making the pros is very, very minimal. In England, it's the same, but I think there's a ruthlessness in England where you get to 16 um, and then either you sink or swim. They got for your contract or you're out the door and then you go fend for yourself. What I do think has happened within the U.S. with the MLS Academy, we've addressed the development much better in the last 5, 10 years than we've ever done before. And by that I mean uh, on the coaching side, number one, but having kids in the 12 to 14 age group, preparing them for the next age group because when the academy started and we started back when, whenever it, 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 it came into being it was u 16 and u 18 that was too late it was too late right, yeah. Right, 2007 it, it, Yeah. so it, it, it was too late to say okay we're gonna uh, have you guys play in the academy and then you're gonna go to the pros no the process all over europe and around the world is get those kids if you're a good player at 11 you're gonna be a good player at 18 so how do you fast forward that development and you put the kids in the environment and you have to understand the process of doing that? It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, there's the, the, the Wayne Rooney's and the, the Ronaldo's, they're gifted guys. But the rest of us, like the other 95 percent of us, you have to get in there. And seeing the, the, the structure in different countries and the levels you have to kind of go through to make it to the top is, is, is absolutely amazing.
1: As we wrap up our time, I don't have to be a sycophant to let you know that ECNL is thrilled with your involvement, right, because of your established careers. So as we wrap up our time, I do kind of want to just say those four letters and get your thoughts on it as we're here today at the coaching symposium and the AGM. So when you hear ECNL, what does it mean to you, Lee? For me now, since we've been in it, it meant
3: a huge step up in – the quality and level of opposition um, that we played against, which meant we had to raise everything to do with our club. Like Quinys just said, the the coaching levels that needed to go in and the processes of the the pre-ECNL kids to make sure they're prepared at under 13 so we can cope with the bigger clubs from Raleigh and and Charlotte and places like that. We've had to really review every facet of our club to raise our levels um, to be part of it. And I'm hugely grateful that we're lucky enough to be an ECNL club. Proud to be part of the ECNL, and I think it's it's a huge value for our community and kids.
2: Yeah, and I echo that as well. I say to the boys, it's, uh, and the girls as well. It's, it's an honour to be in that uh, bracket of ECNL regional league. You know, it's a, it's a great uh, avenue for the kids to get exposure. Um, as Lee rightly said, you know, as a club, you have to then step your standards up with coaching. You have to the facilities have to be better. Um, you know, Again, you're giving a service out and people pay a hell of a lot of money to, to be part of that. So you have an obligation uh, as a club and as a coach to, to give them the best possible service and the best environment you can be in. Now, do we get it right all the time? Probably not, but you, it's not for the lack of trying. But it's definitely prestigious. It's, a, it's an honour to be involved. I think it gives you that level of confidence to be involved in the league with Jason and the guys that are around just uh, if there's any issues uh, to go out. particularly where me and Brian are let's make no bones about it it's a real hotbed of of clubs and very aggressive in what they try and do recruitment Um, but we have to get by with that you have to get by Um, and sometimes it doesn't sit well with everybody but that's that's the life we live in Um, but it's definitely a good a good avenue for the kids which is the most important thing in my opinion for them to get that opportunity to play at the highest level
1: fair and balanced
4: answer Brian for me, Dean, I think ECNL equals opportunity. You know, the, 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 the girls' league for the last 10 years has been the, the top league in the country. And I think our challenge is now, as the coaches and the clubs, is how do we replicate the success on the girls' side? That's a challenge. And then the other thing that, that, that Warren and, and Lee both alluded to is it's up to us to provide the example. And uh, if, I, if I go out to Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Del Mar, I don't care what kind of a day the waiter has or the guy in the back room. I want first class service. And when kids come to our clubs, San Diego Soccer Club serve for Del Mar Sharks, they expect the service, and it's up to us to provide that every single time. Whether Warren's having a bad day after, you know, a, a poor telecast, I don't care. I want my kid coached well. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth
2: Chris that he goes into is about 150 bucks a steak, and he's in there three times a week. So he must be doing something right. <laughs>
1: and, and, and you know that means he loves your TV work for him to say that. By the Listen, way. I've had a problem with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> and Lexi Lallis, I
2: deserve an MBE.
0: Putting up with him too. Yeah,
1: he knows all about it. Oh all Since they're still lining up, what did we miss? What what else did you guys want to talk about as it relates to your roles here in the United States and with ECNL? Did I miss anything?
2: I think the relationship with the clubs in general, I think that's something that needs to be bridged on as well because we're all competitive, but you're all in that same avenue. I think, you know, it's great Then you have these AGM, these meetings, we get together, and sort of like the gloves are off. You know, you can have a a lemonade or a Coke and just talk about the game and what can be better. We know we're competitive. We know we always want to do well in each individual game, but... At the end of the day, there's a bigger picture than just our egos or our goals in life. It's about the game. It's about developing the game. It's about giving people the opportunity. Listen, I'm as competitive as anybody. But at the end of the day, I've got an obligation to make sure that we grow this game because that's why I moved over. That's why I moved my wife and three kids over for the game and the sunshine and the opportunity. So I think that's something as a as a, a league or a governing body that we need to work better at. as, as communication with each other. Um, as club members, as directors, and, and there should be, you know, professional people get paid for it, so it's a professional living.
1: Your final salvo,
4: Brian. I think Lee said it earlier. Dean is that you know the the, the principles that you bring to your youth soccer club are so so important, and I think that you know outside of the winning, which we all have um, enjoyed over the years, I think that teaching kids the proper way. And giving them those life lessons they stick with them for the rest of their life you know whether it's sacrifice or time management or dealing with adversity or injury and then kind of enjoying the success and then you know having good games having bad games it's all part of life and i think that the the
1: game of football soccer provides that every single day and lee i'm going to give you the last word and i am going to point out because i was in that bubble in orange county these two live in that bubble. It's beautiful. You're all in, man. You're in South Carolina, my man. That's saying something. Your final thoughts.
3: Yeah, I mean, our, our area, to be fair, we have fantastic relationships across the board with the clubs. Um, the one thing I love about this is we can be all at war on a, a Saturday afternoon at 3 and 5 o'clock. But then at, at 6, 7 o'clock, we'll stand on the sideline and work out how we're going to make the next time better, how we can organise it, get everything in shape for the next time we meet each other. And I think the love of the game across the board is the biggest thing that we we need to keep in mind however big the battle is we're all doing it for the betterment of the kids and the communities and that's
1: that's really what this is all about this is going to sound over the top I've been lucky to do a lot of great things this was really a lot of fun thank you so much for <laughs> you don't get out by that. <laughs> <afternoon>. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta raise the bar. <laughs> <party. laughs> we, really we really got to do a few more at
0: least
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys were brilliant Quinny great to see you thanks for being with us Warren love your work as well on Fox Soccer you're unbelievable and Fox Sports fantastic and Lee great to see you and please tell rob strickland i said hello as well okay do. thank you All thanks right. dean it's very started. enjoyable thank you
3: second is to ruth's chris now oh, yeah
1: <laughs> this is breaking the line the ecnl podcast thanks for being with us
0: thanks for listening to breaking the line the ecnl podcast for more information on the ecnl visit us at www.theecnl.com and if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest please email us at info@theecnl.com at breaking the line the ecnl podcast is an ecnl production ecnl more than a league